Hello and welcome back to Let's All Laugh At. And Crystal Palace have won a game of football for the first time since June. It's I, I, don't, I don't even care that we lost in the penalties against Bournemouth. We're going to play Man City anyways. Who the hell cares? We've yeah. won a game. I, I genuinely have got what it feels like. So yeah, how are you guys? <laughs> I'm joined by Dan and Johnny and Alex for the first time since episode one. So yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. All good. All good. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So well, I suppose we might as well start there. We're going to start with the Premier League fixtures, and since I brought it up, we might as well start with Palace. Pro- probably the least entertaining of the of the four we're going to talk about, to be honest with you. Um, Stan, it's a classic Palace, really. 1-0 win over Southampton. Smash and grab on the break. Honestly, I don't know how it stayed at 1-0, especially with... For me, Vicente Guaita was man of the match with all the saves he made. Mm. But I think it's encouraging. I mean, considering the run-in we've got after this, we've got... Have we got we've got Man United away next weekend. Then we've got Everton at home, obviously just beat Spurs. And then your boys, Chelsea, away, Alex. Obviously, with the squad they have, is going to be difficult, even though we have a decent record there. So getting this win was massive. It'll put a lot less pressure on us. So I mean, there's not that much to talk about. I thought it was, I thought it was standard, standard Roy Hodgson. Really, he just played his usual game, and it worked this time. But it got us the points, so I can't really complain. Did any of you, you guys, see anything about it? Well, I think fair play to Palace, really, because Southampton, they're, they're no mugs, so it's a good win, mm. uh, clean sheet, good goal from Zaha. Yeah, it's a good win, good three points. That I mean, you've got difficult games coming up, but um, you know, who knows? It's a, it's early in the season. Form kind of goes out the window this early in the season. So as you say, you've got a good record against Chelsea. You know, you're not bad against Man United either, to be fair. So, you know, it's who knows? But it's a good start. Good start. Clean sheet. And it's like Zaha scored. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was watching Dan Saturday. And I think quite the commentator said that Zaha actually looked happy. And that's sort of what <laughs> yeah. took playing rather well. Because I think from Project Restart, he didn't do too great, did he? I mean, the no. whole season, he weren't what people expect of him. Score a blinder uh, against you lot, though, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, he did. I mean, but to be honest, when you got Kepper in goal, then that's what happened. Um, so, no, I mean, we can we can cover that later at date because that's more than one show's worth. But, no, Palace, you know, they, like you said, I think it was a typical Roy Hodgson game. And, yeah, like Zaha looked to be a difference as well as Guaita at the back. Yeah, nothing really to add. Quite an impressive result. Southampton, good side. Especially the last, ever since they got beat 9-0. They're a decent side these days. Yeah, decent result for you. Especially with the games coming up, like you say. The only thing on the Zaha, you don't want him to play too well at the minute while the transfer window is still open. Yeah, that's the worry. <laughs> um, that happened to a pretty poor year, didn't he, last year, really. So to start off with a goal is it's pretty decent, really. It's a, Well, it's all you can ask for, yeah. Yeah. I think in terms of the transfer, I think that I mean I've said that a million times before. It's a case of someone pay the money, but I mm. think that we're also in a position where, like at the end of last season, when he handed in the transfer request, literally on deadline day or the day before deadline day, we didn't let him go because we couldn't get a replacement. I think that'd be the same with them. We will not let him go unless we're sure we can get a replacement in. I don't think... have that though in in Eze, potentially. Mm, well, I think he was. I think he he was brought to brought in to play alongside Zaha. Yeah. One thing, even then, I don't think it's the same role. I think he likes to cut inside a lot more than Zaha does, and he he's naturally a number ten. But Roy mm. plays him out wide to fit him in his system, and he just yeah. lets it sort of drift in midfield whenever he wants. But yeah, what was one of you going to say something? Um, yeah, no, I was just going to say like with Zaha, it's, maybe that is why he's looking happy. Maybe he knows something that we don't. Uh, but <laughs> I also think he could have had more than one goal. I think. Did he not mm. have a chance where, I don't know if it was offside and he may have got called back because the stupid rule that they brought in. It was very close. I, I, To be fair, I did think it was just offside. Like, it wasn't just an arm. It was like half his body. So, I can see why they gave that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit of a tough one. But you're right. Yeah, he also had a chance one-on-one that he put in the side net, which was a yeah. bit annoying. But... But, yeah, I, th- I think the thing the way I think the part of the reason as well is he's got better players around him. Even though Eze and Bashwai neither of them started, mm-hmm. I think that now that we're actually bringing players into the team, he's got a lot more to be hopeful. Because before he just sort of like I think he just sort of felt like he's part of a sinking ship. But now at least he's I think it will take a lot of the pressure off him as well with the players that are coming in. So yeah, I think yeah. they're definitely getting younger, aren't they? Or they're looking to get younger. Hundred percent. Like, I mean, yeah, it's it's turning from like a retirement home into sort of a youth club. Yeah, yeah. well, all right, then we're moving on from that game. Um, again, a great win, like I say, I'm pleased for us. I'm not sure which one to go on to next, actually, because they were all really great games. Let's start off, let's start with Dan, let's start with Liverpool. 
but against newly promoted Leeds United, four three in the end. Yeah. I wasn't watching the game because, uh, but I had I had it on the scores on my phone. I just kept looking back. I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I mean, uh, from a Liverpool perspective, it's a lot leakier than you. It's the first time you've conceded three goals at Anfield since you we you beat us four three back in January 2019. So must have been a shock to the system. It was. Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of opening day last year when we played Norwich. Now, we won mm. 5-1, but it could have been about 5-3, to be honest. And and Saturday was similar in a lot of ways. Uh, they were quite good, Leeds. I think they surprised us how good they were, similar to how Norwich did. Because Norwich on the day, even though they went down without a whimper in the end, you know, they shocked teams that beat Man City, of course. But yeah, Leeds were really good, and they got a lot of men forwards. I don't think we expected that. Obviously, we made some errors that we wouldn't normally make, and uh, the Van Dijk one in particular. The, the, the most frustrating thing from that game for me wasn't actually conceding three goals. It was, other than Salah, the other two of the front three probably should have scored at least one each. And it probably should have been more like seven, <laughs> seven or eight, four, if you like. <laughs> that was actually more frustrating than the defensive situation because cause Leeds took the goals really well, especially the first one and I think the second. So, yeah, that annoyed me more. To, no, the third it was. That annoyed me more, to be honest. But generally, yeah, I was quite happy because I thought we looked really sharp. Salah in particular, who I bigged up on the last part, was um, was unbelievable on Saturday. Yeah, well, you tipped him to be golden boot winner and he's going the right way at the moment. Yeah, it, and it wasn't just that. His goals, obviously, two of them were penalties and they were penalties. The volley into the top corner was a joke. And just more generally, he, he was phenomenal on Saturday. Like, no one could get the ball off him. After not having his best season last year, like I alluded to last week, so, yeah, obviously happy to get the win. First game, that's the main thing. Quite impressed with Leeds and not overly concerned about the fact we can see the three. Yeah, yeah fair enough. I was, really impressed with Leeds. I was really impressed with Leeds on Saturday. I thought, um, I think, I think you're right, Dan. I think uh, Leeds definitely surprised Liverpool with their yeah. going forward because at times, I, I know it's uh, earlier in the season, but it seems like Van Dyke and, and Co couldn't really handle Leeds at certain times in the game. They were just like, mm-hmm. hey, what is going on with these lot? Well, just leave us alone. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah, the third goal for Leeds was it because it clicked. who scored the, the volley. That's yeah. awesome volley. That that is that is special. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, I was even really impressed with um, Calvin Phillips as well. I thought he he played passes about very well. Mm. But I just say it's it's early in the season. I'm sure Liverpool won't concede three goals again for a very long time. But no, I don't think Van Dijk will do that again either. No, no, and to allow Patrick Bamford of all people to score a Premier League goal as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, Liverpool, they, they won the game 4-3, so it doesn't really matter about the three goals, does it, really? You, you, no. it, was, it was a great game to watch as a neutral, I must admit. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I must admit, when I saw Patrick Bamford and Premier League goal were in the same sentence, I couldn't believe what I was reading. But <laughs> there you go. Alex, I mean, a lot has been made of Leeds this week, and I mean, on social media and the like, and in, in the media in general. There's a lot of talk about them with how they took the game to Liverpool and how they were in the game for so much and potentially could have drawn it or maybe even won it in the end, depending on where, depending on how the game would have gone in the end. It's there's a lot been made of them of how it's 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 a sign of things to come for their season. But like Dan said, it was similar to Norwich last year where they played a similar way. All right, the scoreline was a lot wider, mm. but there was a similar thing made between them. Do you think that which way do you think it will swing? Do you think it'll be a case of that they'll actually be able to kick on from this and do well because they've got Fulham at home in the next game, which is a very winnable one. Do you think they'll use that as positive momentum, or do you think that it's going to be a sort of a a bit of a false illusion of things to come? No, to be honest, I think what you saw from Leeds is what you will see throughout the season. You know, Bielsa's this sort of coach, I watched him a lot last year in the championship, and he's one that, you know, he wants the most from everyone. And, you know, it's, yeah, I think you'll see a lot of, like, high-octane stuff, the the press that they do. You know, I think it, it may have been Bamford or someone else, but, no, Jack Harrison, sorry, he ran the length of the pitch, not knowing knowing he would never get near the ball. But that's the sort of thing that the Bielsa will demand from his players. And I don't think it's a one-off, you know, OK, we're, we're away at the Champions. They've got no crowds. Let's try and use that to our advantage. I think they'll do that wherever they go. It's The only thing is, you know, it's a damn shame that you can't go and watch them in physical person because I think they are perhaps one of the most exciting teams to have come up in recent years. Yeah, I mean, 
It's been, I mean, the only real comparison to a, ma- to a manager of Bielsa's pedigree, I guess you could say, and the only manager I can think of coming up from the championship that I can remember was really Rafa Benitez at Newcastle, and that was with yeah. a team that had just been relegated. So you sort of knew what to expect from them. But Leeds, this is a really new thing we haven't seen before. And, you know, if they can carry on like this, albeit they'll have to be better defensively, um, albeit not having to be against a strong attack at Liverpool, mm. then they should... I've, I've predicted them to finish 15th in my table. I think that's about right because Bielsa sides typically do start off quite strong but then sort of dip a lot yeah. towards the end of the season. So I think if they're sitting sort of top 10 by Christmas time, I think they've got a really good chance. To st- well, actually, slightly past Christmas time, halfway point because obviously the pandemic's <laughs> shifted mm. the times a bit. But halfway point of the season, if they're sort of top half, I think they've got a really good chance of staying up. Uh, but if they're, if they're hovering around that relegation zone, then I think it could be it could be a very tough end of the season for them. Yeah, I mean, if they can stop conceding penalties, I know it's only one game, but like they gave away a few last year. If they can, I mean, is it Robin Cock or Robert Cock? I mean, he had a nightmare debut, but you know, he's not he's a German international for a reason. Yeah. So as long as he can sort of not play basketball and decide to play football, then they should be all right. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Leeds, I think they're, they're quite fortunate because there's, uh, there's probably three or four teams worse than them in the Premier League. So I think, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, no, agreed. OK, well, let's move on to your team then, Johnny. Arsenal, I mean, who I predicted to finish outside the top six now predictions. I already look like a total mug because it's a totally dominant. All right. It was against a Fulham side who were probably the lowest rated in the league. But still, you can only beat who's in front of you. And it was a very dominant 3-0 win in the end. You must be you must have been well chuffed. I was. I mean, first five minutes, it got a little bit airy, you know, hmm. with the back pass. I must admit, I was thinking, oh, God, we signed Gabriel from four years ago. I thought, oh, here we go again. But, I mean, what a performance from, from Gabriel. He was fantastic. He's he's a big lump, isn't he? Jesus, I want to go with 53 of him. Um, <laughs> I, I was really impressed. Really impressed. Uh, great performance. William ran the show. What he could be, As I said last week, I think he'd be signing the season, William. I uh, really impressed with Gabriel. Aubameyang scored because that's what he does best. It's really hard not to get too excited with Arsenal. I'm, you know, I know it's the first game and it's a long way to go, but I'm just I've got a really good feeling about this season. Um, of course, getting a Bamiang for another three years, it's 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 exciting times for Arsenal. I've, I said I, I think we'll finish fourth this year, and it's just exciting. And hopefully, we can carry on. We've got West Ham on Saturday, and uh, they're crap, so yeah. they'll beat us, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. No, you've said it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you mentioned Aubameyang. A lot of people are saying it's your signing of the season. It's not hard to see why. I mean, you, you, from the outside looking in, you, you can question giving a 31-year-old a four-year contract. But, number one, that would guarantee you a much bigger fee if he were to leave. And two, I mean, he's he's your he's your main goal-scoring threat. He was, I, I think, did he win? Was it last year's season he won the Golden Boot? Or he's been up, he's at least been up there for a very long time. So having someone of that calibre on your team when you're going for top four is is beyond important. And obviously the talk's been ongoing for a while. There was doubts whether or not he'd even sign it. I think winning the FA Cup was probably a big, uh, you know, c- contributor to that. Because, I mean, it, you know, all the talk about Arteta, he wanted something, I'm sure, to actually match that ambition. And a trophy to start off in his first six months is a very good way of doing that. Do you, how much, I mean, with the players, you've signed, you've done decent business so far. Gabriel, Ceballos on, lo- on loan again, people like that. Do you think now that Aubameyang's side, do you think there's much more business that needs to be done? Um, I think we probably need to get rid of a couple more players. I mean, of course, Martinez has gone to Villa, which I'm gutted about. because But, you know, fair play to Martinez. He deserves a chance to be number one. Um, I think there'll be a couple more. I think maybe Callum Chambers might be on his way out. I think we might see Socrates go out as well. Lucas Torreira to, 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 um, to Torino. So I think now this for the next couple of weeks now, I think there's going to be more going out than coming in. But if only we can get rid of Mesut Ozil as well, that, that would be the cherry on the top. But I can't see that happening. But, he already has left the club, hasn't he? Judging by the judging by how little we've seen of him, you'd think uh, he had. <laughs> I, think, I think he's been furloughed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've made that joke before, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, but no, it's. I think yeah, I think from now on for the, for the next couple of weeks, I think it'd be more outs than ins. I, I don't think we need maybe another maybe another centre midfielder. Maybe I don't know. Uh, definitely another goalkeeper. I think I know we're after the um, is it the Brentford goalkeeper or the D- oh, another goalkeeper we're looking at? Yeah. Maybe someone else to um, back up Leno. But um, apart from that, I'm quite happy with the squad to be honest. I think yeah, I think get rid of some of the deadwood. I mean, Torreira last well, two seasons ago when he, when he first joined, he's sort of like a house on fire. But he's he's not in the team. He's not getting in the team. So if we can recoup some of the money we got for him, then it's, it's good business, isn't it, I suppose? 
I'm I'm quite surprised at Torreira thing, to be honest, because I remember him against us and more generally being actually really good. And it wasn't so long ago that Arsenal fans were swearing at Granite Xhaka as he left the field. Yeah. And now he's like a mainstay and Torreira's on his way out. It's a really strange turn of events, that. Yeah, well, we're fickle as Arsenal fans, you see. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, hey, I, that's true. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Torreira. Um, as I say, he started off with a house on fire. I mean, you know, I think, was it, was it the uh, the Carling Cup game last season he played well against Liverpool? I think it was when it was at the five. Yeah, and he scored against us a couple of times. You know, he's a good player, but um, for some reason he's, he's not getting in the team and I don't know why, but I'm not going to sit here and question Mikel Arteta because no. he's doing something right. So, you know, he's, he's managed to get a song out of Mohamed Elneny as well, which I didn't think I'd say this season. So, yeah, yeah I know exactly. Mikel, I mean, Elneny is a forgotten man last season, but um, yeah, whatever Arteta's doing, it's, it's obviously working. Yeah, I mean, Dan, Alex, I mean, Johnny says he reckons they can get top four. As as top four favourites, I guess you could say. Do you agree with him? Do you think he's got a point? Personally, I I, I don't. And that's not because I doubt Arsenal. It's more because every time you make a prediction like that, you've got to think somebody has to fall out of it then. Mm. And I certainly don't see Liverpool and Man City falling out of it. Chelsea, with their recruitment, definitely can't afford to and shouldn't fall out of it. And United... God, um, <laughs> uh, you know what? You know what? I'll say they're probably the ones. If anyone's gonna drop out of it, it's possibly them, and that's because they've still got question marks defensively, if you ask me. And Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. Now, I still don't have him down as the right man for that job, so possibly ahead of them. But it's a really difficult one. Like I say, you've got to, Arsenal are good enough to make the top four. But someone has to be bad enough to drop out of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, you are right. I think I'll, I'll take fifth above Spurs about that. <laughs> <laughs> After watching them on Sunday, you'll fly past them. Oh. Yeah, I mean, but I'm probably in agreement with that because, like you say, someone's then going to drop out. And obviously, I'm biased and I don't think, right, well, I certainly hope we don't. But, you know, the only one that I could see is. It's United, and it depends on the start they have. If they start as well as they finished last season, then it, it, you know, it could be really interesting. But if they start like they did last season, then they might leave themselves too much work. Whereas, you know, Arsenal have sort of picked up so much confidence over the past, mm. I don't know, what three months, four months maybe, and it's, you know, Arsenal look like a really different team. I think. I was writing a piece earlier for someone where it was like Arteta's, you know, he's looking at Emre thinking, how hard is this? Like, you know, it's, it's not a hard task. But, yeah, I think Arsenal, I mean, I'd be interested to know what people would think a successful season for Arteta would be in his first year, like first full year. But for me, I could see him getting fifth. I don't know if they will, like, break that ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I think I said last week, I think... I, I, <laughs> I think a successful season for Arteta, if they don't get top four, I think definitely maybe fifth and maybe do better in the Europa League, maybe. Yeah. I think, as I said last week, I think looking at the, the teams that won the Europa League this year, I mean, I've, you know, I've, we got knocked out by Olympiakos, which is so disappointing mm. because I, I, I think we could have, with, with the way we ended the season, you know, I know in hindsight, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I definitely think we could have been in the mix to win the Europa League. But um, unfortunately, we were so bad against Olympiakos, it kind of ruined the season a little bit. But maybe fifth. I mean, I would love to get top four. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm slightly confident, but fifth and maybe win the FA Cup, League Cup, Europa League, something like that. Mm. Get a trophy. Yeah, I think that's probably the most realistic expectations that you can have. I mean, it's definitely important not to get carried away after playing oh, arguably, arguably yeah. the worst, worst team in the Premier League on paper this yeah. season. So, <laughs> yeah, no offense, Fulham fans, but that's probably. I mean, I, I mean, I back Fulham to stay up, and they lose three 0 on the opening day, albeit to a decent Arsenal side. So, you know, my predictions are aging, <laughs> aging worse and worse as by the day. But yeah, uh, last but not least, Alex, first of all, welcome back again. Um, and for your first one back, we've got your Chelsea team, who we've brought up pretty much every episode in terms of their business, because it's been hard not to take notice of you with all that you've done. And your first game of the season, 3-1 against my favourite team, Brighton. But it was quite a strange game. I thought Brighton were much the better side for a lot of it. And I think your quality shone through in the end in that you were able to actually nick the goals that they couldn't, because they just can't even take their chances, no matter how well they play. So what did you make of the whole thing? 
Yeah, no, I well, firstly, thanks for having me back. It's it's you know it's been a nice break, but um, we're back to it. No, in terms of the game on Monday, yeah, like you said, I think Brighton were actually you know three one sort of flattered Chelsea a little bit. We 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 looked sluggish at times. We didn't look very good. It it took me back to quite a few years ago when we used to have a habit of just grinding results out. And you know, doing all basically all the dirty work and just making sure you get your three points. It took mm. me back quite a few years ago. Um, so obviously, I'm thinking that you know, with the players that we've signed, you know, they're going to want some sort of attractive football and not this like boring stuff. But you know, with needs must. But for me, like the best player on the pitch was a former Chelsea player in Tarek Lamptey. Yeah, he played well. Played really yeah. well. Like the fact that we let him go for three million is. Like a joke in itself. I'm happy that he's gone to play regular football because there's doubts that he'd be able to get in our team. But he's certainly a talented kid that I'm like, okay, this could be one of those that we've let go again, sort of thing. But no, no, it's like we say, it's just the beginning of the season. It, I'll, I'll take three points anyway they come. But if we continue to do play like that, then there might not be as many three points as we want. Yeah, no, I, I agree. As much as, you know, I have to admit with how good Lamptey looked, I thought he was Brighton's standout player. So arguably the man of the match that game. Um, I think as a playing as he wasn't playing as a right, but he was playing as a right wing back and he looked comfortable mm. in that position. I think what he has over someone like Wan Bissaka, for instance, because I have to bring him up every episode, <laughs> is that <laughs> even though I think Wan Bissaka is probably better defensively, because I think one-on-one, I, I, I don't think there's a better right back in the league better defend, defending one-on-one. But in terms of going forward, especially, I think he does have that edge. And I think that would be the advantage of bringing him. I mean, we talk, I mean, there's been so much going on in England. But England has so many young right backs to bring through. Alexander-Arnold, Wan-Bissaka, Lamptey, you know, Maitland-Niles. So many, I can't even remember them all. But there's so many talented out there. Um, so that it is a real, it is a genuine headache for Southgate. And I think that, you know, that they all have different strengths and weaknesses as well. So they're all great options for different scenarios. But yeah, Dan, this is, it's becoming a bit of a habit of Brighton's. The, they dominate so many games, dominate possession and play their sort of passing game, but they can't take their chance. I read a stat somewhere that Brighton have missed the most cutting edge ch- or big chances since, since, 20, since 2020 began. They've only scored four or something like that. And, you know, it's obvious what the problem is, but they don't seem any closer to, to signing a striker. So you'd have to say, you know, if they can't start taking advantage of this soon and picking up points, you know, it could be a long season for them again. Yeah, you're right. And they were, it's already been touched on, but they were really good on Monday. And I thought, like it again has been touched on, they were the better team. And the scoreline certainly flattered Chelsea. I was really impressed with some of the football they played. But like you say, if it doesn't materialise into anything, like it didn't, apart from that one decent strike slash dodgy bit of goalkeeping, then it's not really worth a lot. And I quite, that Aaron Connolly burst onto the scene, like midway through last season and looked like he was going to be the answer. But it's never really worked out. He hasn't kicked on, if you like, as opposed to not working out. I'm quite surprised that they're not in for a striker more generally. I'm actually quite surprised they're not in for Brewster from Liverpool. Well, they were linked, but, but I mean, there's reports going around that you've accepted a bit from Sheffield United. It, it so, looks like a Sheffield yeah. United deal now, which I might get time to touch on later because I'm really quite surprised. But yeah, I'm surprised not after a striker because they play a lot of good football. Like Graham Potter's got his his style into them now. It took a while when he took the job, but now they're definitely playing the way he wants. And he's really good at times. I thought he played some, some really decent stuff the other night. Well, has, well, has he got it into them as a thing? Because like I said, they've been passing it around this whole time, but they're not actually scoring goals. So has he actually got it working? Yeah, I know what you mean. But from where they were under Chris Hooten, I think they're playing a lot more attractive football now. And you're right. Obviously, yeah. Graham Potter and any Brighton associate would like to see them putting the ball in the net at the end of it a lot more. And I imagine that obviously is part of the plan. But what's missing now is that that striker, if you like, in the 18-yard box to do it. Like Trossard on the wing and Lampton on the other wing, for instance, and whoever else. They can do all that work, but they haven't got the fellow who's going to score 10, 15, possibly 20 goals a season. Connolly looked like it. They've got rid of Glenn Murray this summer. Um, so they yeah, that was a strange uh, one for me. Yeah, yeah, even though he is ageing, I understand maybe going yeah. to get him off the wage bill. He is, he is a guaranteed... Got fifteen goal a season striker, no matter what age he's at, at least yeah. as a super sub. But yeah. I think I think the problem with him is, is he is so limited. As much as we're saying they want someone to score the goals, 
Graham Potter probably wants someone who can play football as well. Whereas Glenn Murray now, in particular, at the age he is, he generally is going to stick around the box and try and score. Whereas they need someone who can do both, I'd probably say. There are not many of them out there. But again, I'll touch back to our. That's why I'm surprised they're not further along the line with someone like Brewster. Mm. But yeah, no, I was impressed with Brighton, and I, I don't think there'll be any any difficulty of relegation, unfortunately for you, George. Um, <laughs> but I can't see. Well, if we beat them twice, I don't care. Yeah, I think they play too good a football for that, which can be can be dangerous. But I think they'll be fine more generally. Uh, yeah, I mean. Suppose going back to you, Alex. I mean, we've like I said before that we've talked a lot about Chelsea this summer and all the business you've done. I suppose from an insider's perspective, I mean, on the one hand, last night's performance—you know—you'd like to hope, hope it improves from there after all that money spent. But at the same time, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic as well. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Like, um, you know, I've championed Timo Werner for a while, and to be honest, he he looked very sharp. Um, you know, all right, it's okay, he won us the penalty with quite, you know, he looks quick and he was doing the sort of runs that Mason Mount would like to play the ball through. So, that, you know, the, the business looks good. I mean, I must admit, I didn't see much from Havertz, but I think, obviously, he'd only been in, you know, the club for, what, a week or so. Although you could probably technically say he'd been with Chelsea for the best part of two months for the way yeah. the, the deal kept going on. Well, I'm interested to see Thiago Silva and Chilwell all integrated as well as Zayek. Once you get all those in and then you chuck Pulisic in as well, then this is where I feel we can't be outside the top four. No. You know, obviously in an ideal world, we should win every single game. But, we, you know, as we all know, we don't live in an ideal world. So, yeah, it's it's very exciting. It, it's taken me back a few, fair few years ago when, you know, we in quotation marks, ruined football with the money we used. But, yeah, I was a Chelsea fan. There's, there's a lot to get excited about. It's just whether we can play under Frank and hope that he gets the time to do what he needs to do. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it will ultimately come down to the manager because the squad is definitely good enough. But it'll be about the manager to actually get the most out of it. And I'm also still have my doubts over Lampard purely because of his experience, but... He also did well with a limited squad last year, so maybe he can do it again with a better one. So it'll certainly I've, be. I've got everything crossed for him, so we mm. well, I'm sure I'm sure you do. And he's, you know, I, I want to do well as well because he's one of the one of the nicest blokes in football, in my opinion, and always comes across really well. But it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's it doesn't always mean you're going to do well as a manager. So let's see. So yeah, let's move on to the. It's been a somewhat quiet week in this transfer window, relatively speaking. But we'll touch on what we'll start by touching on what you talked about before, Dan. Uh, Ryan Brewster, Sheffield United. I've seen bids between 20 and 25 million supposed to be accepted, so somewhere in that range. You seen a couple of weeks ago when we talked about him. You seemed certain that he was going to stay, or at the very least, well, not even go out on loan. You thought he would stay and knock around the first team. But if this is true, then that sort of put a spanner in the works. Yeah, it, it looked like he was going to stay. Jurgen Klopp essentially came out and said that he was going to remain part of the, the first team plans up until January. And it would be reassessed then, essentially. But obviously, that's changed now. But then when you... See, I, I want him to stay because for years, we've kind of watched him coming through the ranks, seen him score a lot of goals. He was golden boot winner at World Cup, etc., etc. And then he had quite a bad injury about 18 months ago and you all felt sorry for him. He's got back to fitness, scored all them goals at Swansea. And you just want someone like that to break through and to do well because he's a, you know, he's one of your own, if you like. But then you look at the squad on Saturday and you look at the first team in particular, obviously, and you go, he's not going to play. You know, you think you think long and hard about it. And he wasn't even in the, the match day squad on the weekend. And it's not right because what's he doing then? You know, he's he's sat at home watching it on on the telly like everyone else, and that's not that's not good for him. So then you start to think, okay, a loan move is probably for the best. Like I think I expected, really. And then all of a sudden, he's potentially out on a permanent, and you just—it's a really strange one. The only thing I can think, and the only saving grace, is that Liverpool are putting a buyback clause in. So say for instance, yeah, I've read that. Sheffield United, yeah, and he, he does well, like we all expect him to, and he starts scoring goals. All of a sudden, Liverpool go, OK, we want him back now. And it's a reasonable 
by that clause, you know. Well, you'd imagine have to if you're letting him go for 25 million, you'd imagine have to be quite a bit bigger than that for Sheffield United to agree so. to it. Yeah, 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 you would think so. Which is, I, I am genuinely surprised, unless unless there's something obviously we don't know in terms of his fitness. That injury might have played a bigger part than we thought, because that can happen with young lads if they get injured, it can affect them moving forwards in terms of picking up more injuries and stuff. So there might be something we don't know there. But I am genuinely really surprised because Klopp's always spoken glowingly about him. Mm. And when he's played in the friendlies and stuff, he scored. So, yeah, I I would have had him ahead of Origi, personally. As much of a legend as Origi is, I would have. But it looks like he's on his way out the door. Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, you mentioned Origi. I'm surprised it wouldn't be him going to Sheffield United if we wanted to let go of someone. Because, I mean, they have similar sort of abilities and scoring records. But, obviously, Brewster has a much higher ceiling right now. But, yeah, I mean, we've been linked with Brewster a lot as well, loan and permanent. But I think with the money that we've got left, even though we've got a lot coming in for Sorloth, which I'll talk to him to very quickly. But it's... It, I mean, it's, I, I don't think I think there are better areas we should be spending it on personally. Even though he is a good player, I think now that we have Batchway, especially yeah. it's only for a season, I think it's not not worth it. So I'm, yeah. I can't say I'm fussed at Sheffield United getting him. Yeah, I find, I, I find it really weird Bruce might be going from Liverpool. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of him. I think he's a really good little player, to be fair. And you know, I mean, I'm also a massive fan of Firmino, but he's not scoring. I'm mean, not saying the first game of the season, but he's, his form's a little bit worrying, if you ask me. And I'm surely, I think, I think he has a chance in the, in the first team on a regular basis because I think if Firmino's not going to put the ball in the back of the net, yeah, sure, Brewster does a chance. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Firmino. I think he's a really decent player. Don't get me wrong, but you know, he's, he's not scoring many goals. I mean, back in the last season, he wasn't scoring many. So no. it'd be a real shame to see Brewster go. I think it will. Yeah, and I agree. Obviously, it's hard not to agree with Firmino point in terms of goals. And um, the only thing I will say on that is. He was, in my opinion, unbelievable. So I thought he, was, he thought he was brilliant on Saturday, and then he misses that big chance at the end, and that's almost the only thing people can remember from it. Yeah, right. um, like I seen some of the player ratings on Sunday morning in like the newspapers and what have you, and they had Firmino down as like a five and a six, and they mentioned that big chance, which he should have scored, and he almost has to score. But up until that point, he was, oh, he was. I love watching him so much. He's, he's, he's a very good player, don't get me wrong. No, I'm yeah. a big fan of him. But I, I, it'd be a shame to see Bruce to go, because I think he's a young British lad, English lad, sorry. And 25 means a lot of money as well. And I just, yeah, it'd be a shame to see him go, because I'm a big fan. Mm. Yeah, and it is a bit of a strange one, all things considered. But we'll move on to we'll move on to probably the biggest story of the transfer window this week. It's only just broken today, really. Is Gareth Bale new story? I mean, new updates come out that apparently he's waiting for the green light from Real Madrid to fly over to Spurs. So that sounds like everything is on the brink of happening. Obviously, former Spurs legend sold to Real Madrid for a, a world record fee at the time. Did a, had a great first season. You know, won won the the, the Copa del Rey, won the Champions League. Scored the winning goal in both, and then it's just sort of petered off since. He's been attacked by fans. He's he's had all sorts going on there. So you you said to move. We even talked about him before on the pod a little while back, and we did say a move away would probably make sense. And he's, it looks like it might be Spurs. So, I mean, Alex is one of Spurs' big rivals. Uh, what? How do you how do you view the whole thing? Yeah, it's one of those things that I'm. Probably not as surprised as others would maybe be. I think, like I said, you know, Gareth Bale was always sort of wanted to leave Madrid. Well, they say he doesn't want to leave and he's quite happy living in Spain, but I think that's because of the number of golf courses around. But, <laughs> um, you know, obviously you go to Spain for a golfing holiday, you don't like, generally go to North London. But, yeah, I think, you know, Madrid needed to do something. I don't quite understand where Tottenham are going to have these finances to sort of have a deal because they're now saying that Real Madrid want his wages paid because they don't want to pay it. So it's it's like this thing where he nearly moved to China. Was it last year or the, in January or maybe even earlier the summer where they were prepared to let him go on a free transfer just so they could get rid of the wages? But I don't know. I'd, I'd be scared if, you know, he does click back in at Tottenham. But to be honest... After what I saw Sunday, I've got no problems with what Tottenham are doing anymore. Yeah, I think we. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think if if Bale went back to Spurs, I think that could be the beginning of the end for Harry Kane, if I'm honest. Because, okay. Uh, it's just a personal opinion because you know that he's on big money at Real Madrid. I mean, he's on an absolute fortune, and how they're going to pay his wages and 
you know, especially if they don't win anything this season, Spurs, fingers crossed they don't. But, you know, they're going to have to sell players, aren't they? They're going to have to get rid of certain players to pay his wages. Maybe not this summer, but definitely maybe in January, if not doing well, next summer. Because it's going to be, you can't pay him £400,000 a week and then not pay your your best striker, Harry Kane, less than that. So it's it's, it's an interesting choice. I, I don't see him doing much in the Premier League, to be honest. I think he'd be um be like a Sanchez Mark II, if you ask me. Thing is, like Levy's known for not spending out big amounts of money. Like I don't. Obviously, it was shock when they got Mourinho in to begin with, because it was like, well, Mourinho has to have a bankroll to be able to like work. You know, you've seen it at Chelsea, you've seen it at Madrid when he was there. I think he even had it at Inter when he was at, in Italy with them. So it was a bit like, okay, if you're not, if you're going to give him a bankroll, but then where are you finding this money from if you've never spent it in the first place? You know, they also were one of the only clubs to furlough everybody when they had the opportunity to do so. So it's 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 just a really strange one because I just don't know how they're going to finance it, basically. And is it going to be for the season or are they going to have a deal where they take him permanently? Because it just, it just all strikes me as very odd. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely... It's definitely not the Gareth Bale that Spurs sold. I think we can all agree that. And he is definitely on the decline. But at the same time, it may be just that little bit of quality they need to push up into that top four. I'm not sure I do agree, actually, that, that it is the beginning of the end for Kane. Because I think that if they do need to make money, if they do need to make money, Spurs, then they, I think they will sell elsewhere. I'm not sure how much they've got left to sell. But I think Kane will definitely be top of the priority list in terms of keeping a hold of so I would be very surprised if he makes way for Bale even if it's not this season or it's next season or season after I think it would take someone like Real Madrid to come in with a significant amount of money before something like that happened I don't know I, think, I, I can see Kane going United if I'm honest I really can I just can't, I just can't see how, how I think how can they afford to pay Bale when, when, when you say you can see it you mean you can see it in your dreams like how you can see him scoring the winner against Spurs but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just, I just can't see how they can play together. I don't see how Spurs can afford it. I really don't. And, you know, they're going to have to finance it somehow. And they're going to have to get rid of, you know, it's no, no good to get rid of a younger player. They've got to get rid of one of their stars. And to pay for bail, it could, you know, might be Harry Kane that goes because they can't afford to pay for both. See, it's like, what I don't understand is you had Stephen Bergwijn join. So what, what's he going to do now? Like, are they just going to, like, bin him off? Or, you know... If you're going to have Song on one end, and then you've got to have Bale the other if he joins, and then you have Kane up top. So what does Bergwijn do? And, you know, like other players, don't get me wrong, the Mellors obviously not worked, and he was the original replacement for Bale, so they'll probably have to try and shift in. But I, it's just, it's, I just can't get my head around it. Yeah, well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how the whole thing unfolds. So before we move on, I will bring up my own club again, the transfer window, because we don't seem to be done yet. We definitely want to bring in at least a winger. And the one that's been knocked around the most the last week, which I'm trying not to get too excited about, but is side Ben Rama of Brentford. Hasn't featured in any of their games the past couple of weeks. So, I mean, I doubt he's been rested specifically for us because he has been in training. But I'll be honest, when the window first started, I thought he was Chelsea bound. I mean, that's where all the reports were coming out. And you're thinking, well, if Chelsea is serious about him, then why would he go anywhere else? It's a championship player's dream, especially. But that seems to have died down. And obviously, every loads of clubs have been linked with him with how well he did last season. But apparently, we're in talks with his representatives. I mean, that doesn't mean much because I'm sure we talk to lots of different people all the time. But, you know, I, it is something that, you know, Roy Hodgson had an interview about it after the Bournemouth game. And, you know, apparently there was a little bit of a smile on his face as he was talking about it, a hidden one, which, again, I don't want to look too deep into because it doesn't it doesn't prove anything. But there is definitely a strong interest in there. And I think that if we were to get him, it would be such a I mean, he's such a palace type player. He is like Zaha and that he can. He has that trickery. He has that pace. And I think those two on either on either side, potentially with Eze in the middle, if we want to play a 4-2-3-1, though, I don't think we would because that's not Roy Hodgson's style. I think it'll be a really positive signing for us. And I think there'll be that sort of last piece of the puzzle that we need. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for it, but I'm not putting too much much hope in it either because it's, it's still got a long way to go by the sounds of it. Yeah, he's top player. He's a really good player. Yeah, I saw his goal against Derby. I mean, that is that is a world-class goal. That is, I mean, he, he deserves to be playing in the Premier League next season, there's no doubt, whether it's with Palace or whoever. I mean, yes, he had a terrible game in the, in the playoff final, but, I mean, that's, what, one in about ten? So if he can if he can produce nine nine performances every other time, then that's that's fine by me. Mm. So yeah, before we move on to the let's all laugh at, I think one club that probably deserves a mention for the wrong reasons, unfortunately, is Macclesfield Town. Obviously relegated 
uh, from the Football League at the end of the season after a 12-point deduction with Stevenage staying up in place of them. And they've officially been wound up today after £500,000 worth of debts, which, you know, not not to rub salt on the wound for Johnny, but about two weeks of Aubameyang's wages. So it's just a basic perspective. And, you know, it looks like another it looks like another Berry case. So, I mean, Johnny, it's it's becoming unsettlingly common in this in the times we have now, particularly with the pandemic. No, it's awful. And, uh, you know, thoughts go out to the, you know, Manfield players, the, the fans, the staff. It's, 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 I mean, it's just awful. The community, they're, they're going to lose a club. And it's, uh, it's, just, it's just tragic, really. And, you know, in this horrible climate we're in at the moment with the pandemic, it's just a tragic, it's, it's a shame, massive shame. And £500,000 a lot of money to, to us, to us lot. But, um, you know, it's, you're right, it's about Yang's wages a week, or it's, it's, it's two Mesut Ozil's, you know what I mean? So, yeah. but it's not. And um, I know we're going through this horrible time at the moment, but, you know, still, I don't think, clubs should be going out of business because it's, it's just not right and it's it's, it's, a, it's a crying shame really yeah i can only echo that really it's a, it's a massive shame and unfortunately it might be you know the start of what's to come in many ways because i think there's going to be a couple more unless fans start going back to ground quickly i know the Macclesfield thing can't well definitely started before the pandemic to be mm. honest but even so this can't have helped and what was ironic, there's two ironic things about this. So the night before, so last night, they won. They beat, I think it was Witten Albion. They, they won 2-1. So all the players would have been buzzing. They're happy with a win. And they wake up the next morning to this. And also, while Sky Sports News was reporting it, they were talking about the Gareth Bale situation. Yeah. And they give a passing mention to the Macclesfield yep. town. And they mentioned the £500,000. At least there was no Jim White with his countdown clock this time, I suppose. No, well, no. But yes. in the next sentence, they spoke about Gareth Bale's wages, which are £500,000 a week. It's like, you mentioned the Aubameyang thing, but the perspective on it is mad. And, yeah, it's a massive shame. And I've been to Macclesfield. I went to a game there years ago. Um, one of the first games they ever, like, reported on, if you like. And, yeah, it was something. It is what it is. It was a League Two football stadium. But, you know, not many stadiums around that area. Because it's obviously close to Manchester and stuff, but... It is also quite a long way away from Manchester, so it's a massive shame. And hopefully, they can get some sort of hybrid club going, like a lot of these, a lot of these clubs that go out of business do. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can really add to that is that, I mean, I, I know clubs go out of business all the time, but we've now had two major football league clubs in the space of as many years. Don't think it couldn't be yours, particularly with the Stars win. I mean, I know, like you said, that. Macclesfield had problems before, and it's not solely because of the pandemic, but they're no. not the only ones. We know Wigan have had problems. Victor Moses, by the way, donating, I think it was £10,000 or something like that to their fund, all for yeah. himself, which, you know, one of our own. I, I, loved, I loved the bloke. I think it was yeah. such a great gesture. Obviously, he used to play for them before we went to Chelsea. And then I think the likes of Oldham Athletic as well have had financial problems in the past, so they could yeah. be the next to go. It's, it's just such a difficult one, Mike, because you, the teams we're talking about here are all from the same catchment area. It's, yeah. a, it's a really, really tough catchment area because obviously I live in it um, pretty much. <laughs> it's because of the two big Manchester clubs and then you added Liverpool and Everton to that. To find in loyal supporters whose sole club, because often fans of them clubs support one of the big teams as well. So yeah. finding people who are like so committed to them clubs is really difficult. So as bad as it is to say, you can almost understand when they face these, these hard times. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, when you've got people get mocked for attendances. I mean, teams like Burnley and Wigan, but when you've got Liverpool and Man United and Man City yeah. just around the corner, why would you go to any of these clubs? I mean, yeah. it is a shame. It's a bit like a palace where we get like, didn't have that many fans in the championship, but when you've got Arsenal and Spurs and Chelsea just up the road, yeah. you know, I understand it's not the same part of London, but it is still very close. So I do, yeah. I do empathize yeah. with that totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, it is a real shame. And hopefully, like you say, hopefully the, the Phoenix club can be back. Phoenix club, yeah. Well, yeah, whatever you want to call it. I mean, but they they were relegated to the National League, so hopefully they can get back to that level as soon as possible because it's normally it's normally about the Conference South where things start to go, or the National League South, I should say, where things get a bit tougher there. I know Hereford, obviously formerly Hereford United, that's where they currently are now, but they had mm-hmm. won about four or five promotions in a row since then, uh, before then. So, yeah, there's definitely hope for them, and, and it, it may well be fun for fans to, you know, climb back up the leagues again and watch them do that, but... It's, I mean, it's it's not going to be the same as actually, you know, having the club that they have right now and being able to support them. So my, my thought goes out to them. And I agree with you totally on the media sentiment about how it's just a, it's just an afterthought nowadays. I mean, it's about what sells. No, who gives a 
crap about tiny Macclesfield Town when big old Gareth Bale's going to Spurs from Real Madrid. I mean, it's it's just it's an awful game, but it's uh, ruthless, really. But yeah, my thoughts go out to all the fans, and you know, hopefully, hopefully this doesn't happen again. Although it's looking likely it will. Yeah. So yeah, we'll move on to the let's all laugh at. Uh, for those who are new here, this is where we each pick a moment from the week that made us laugh and decide who wins the let's all laugh at award. So before before I get we get into the awards, I'm going to I want to retract a let's all laugh at that we gave at a while back in the show, which is one Alexander Sorloth, because we've got news today. Apparently, we've agreed a deal between all three of us, RB Leipzig, Arsene Trisbonspor, however you pronounce it. <laughs> I'll get it right one day. Yeah. There's a there's a bunch of different things going around. I've seen a, I've seen reports where they're going to buy out his clause for about 10 million euros and then sell him on for the full 25. I've heard that the 25 million pounds is going to be split equally between us. I've heard a bunch of things. But the key thing is that we are actually making a profit on this transfer. <laughs> it seems incredible to say it for a 25 million pound player, but we've done it. So therefore... I think it's not quite as big of an embarrassment as it would be, even though he probably will smash it at Leipzig. And I honestly hope he does, because I think he's a player that, even though it would be embarrassing for us, I think you can see what confidence has done to him, even if he's not playing in that great a league. And I think with the sort of club Leipzig are as well, and with Nagelsmann as a coach, if he's going to succeed anywhere, it's going to be there. So, yeah, so that's that's just wanted to get that out of the way. So onto the actual awards. We'll start with you, Dad. What have you got? Now, at the risk of... I'm not going to do it, but I could have nominated Everton fans for a second week running. <laughs> Anyone, and like again, this applies very personally to me, but my Twitter timeline on Sunday night after they beat that woeful Tottenham side were, you'd have thought Everton would have won everything, basically, on Sunday night. It was, top four was done, the league was done, that was it. Oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to go for them. And it was a struggle this week. Obviously, it wasn't that long ago we did the last one because of the short turnaround. But yeah. I'm just going to solely focus on uh, another one of my most hated, very strong word, football managers, but Jose Mourinho. God, they, he's he's done, in my opinion. And Johnny will like me saying this, and as well Alex, he's done. It, football has moved on past that man. It's not necessarily a funny moment, but they were shocking on Sunday, Spurs. So Spurs, Jose Mourinho, whatever you want to call it. That documentary, I've watched it now. It's all terrible. Just, yeah. Haven't you noticed the teams that have documentaries made about them, Sunderland and now Spurs, yeah. never actually seem to do well? It's no. almost like there's a there's a there's a theme there. <laughs> that documentary as well is so it's so staged, it's quite difficult to watch at times. That bit when Mourinho turns off the telly, it's like, oh, it, it goes through me a little bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, it's not necessarily, if you're Johnny, it's probably hilarious. But after watching them, and Eric Dyer, oh, it was so turgid. It really was awful. And um, yeah, Tottenham Hotspur, Mourinho, the lot of them. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it is called Let's All Laugh At, so it definitely counts. Um <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a shame. I mean, Mourinho is such a weird one for me because I think when he wants to, he is a really class act. I mean, I remember at the, at the you thought you probably, probably remember us, but at the game for Grenfell a few years ago, for QPR put on the charity match for Grenfell Tower. Right. He actually, and he was manager of that game. He actually ended up in goal in the end of it. And he essentially played the role of the pantomime villain because, you know, yeah. he's arguing with the ref and all that sort of thing. He knows how to ham it up and things like that for charity, like his tackle on Ollie Murs in a soccer raid, yeah, I think yeah. it was, a while back. He is a performer and I do like that side of him, but he also has a really bitter side to him. Yeah. You've seen with things like... Like the Chelsea doctor, I forget her name. I'm sorry, Alex. But when stuff like that happened there, and you know how he always loses the dressing room at the end of his reign, it's he's, he's such a divisive. Exactly, it. yeah. It's Danny Robinson. Yeah, I mean, he's such a divisive figure, and he's someone that I want to like, and I do have a lot of respect for what he's achieved and how he does go about the game in certain ways. But it, it's also so hard to like him with what else he does as well. So no, not only that, yeah. I actually believe, and I've, I've thought this for a while. I honestly think football's moved on without him. I really do. Yeah, and it's going to come back and bite me in the arse, and Tottenham will beat us. And the Gareth, <laughs> the Gareth Bale signing might might change things completely. But what I seen on Sunday and what I seen at times last year, then. I actually think football's gone past Jose Mourinho like at the minute. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we see this all the time in football. Football just evolves as a sport, and so few managers that were around in the 2000s are still around today because they just see their day. They can't handle it anymore. I mean, you could argue Roy, our manager, Roy Hodgson, is at that point, but he's at least being, being able to keep a mid-table side, mid-table. So he's he at least still got a little 60s, though, Roy Hodgson. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was watching the Bournemouth highlights against our 
last game against Bournemouth, last game of the season last year, he he won his first title before Eddie Howe was even born, apparently, oh, which is mental. And he's still around this late. And you could argue, you know, he's, he's declined over time. But, I mean, that's the thing that happens with so many of these managers. But yeah, Jose Mourinho, I mean, depending on your position, I mean, it depends, probably depends on what team you support, can be nice or not nice to see. But yeah, so Johnny, what have you got? Anything Spurs related? He's very nearly Spurs related, actually, because they were absolutely, they were fantastic on Sunday. <laughs> they were brilliant. They could do that every week. It'd be great. It's actually, it's not, it's not even English. It's actually um, the, well, the PhD versus Marseille game. The, oh. The last, the last oh, game. man, yeah. I mean, it was just, I've not, I've never seen it like it. I mean, it's more Neymar's pathetic punch. That's what I'm, I found quite amusing. It was, it was, he might have been racially abused, and if he was, which he may well have been, then it's wrong. But what a pathetic punch that was. Yeah, Alvaro Gonzalez, apparently. Yeah. I, like He's it was... been defended by Andre Villas-Boas, um, obviously your former manager, Alex. But, I mean, there's been a lot of... I think if it is true, then I think he should be sacked straight away and never play football again, because that, that thing, that yeah. can't be tolerated. But, yeah. Absolutely. But um, that, that eight minutes of injury time, I've never seen anything like it. It was it was quite it was quite comical. I just thought... And there's five players sent off. It was just... It was fantastic. I, that, that was, it was, um, I found it quite funny, to be fair, even though it probably wasn't quite funny. But I found yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I mean... With Marseille PSG, I've got to say that is one rivalry that I think it's probably what must be one of the more underrated rivalries in France from what we've seen. Yeah, recently. they hate each other, don't they? They really do. I mean, you had Marseille celebrating PSG losing the Champions League, obviously, you know, like parading through the streets. And you have a brawl like that, like these two teams. Honestly, I'm glad I'm glad that they've got as, as, as unpleasant as it can get sometimes. And I, I am sort of the opinion that I don't like Derby's getting too fierce because like it is a game of football at the end of the day. But at the same time, it does add that little bit of spice to things, particularly in France, which, let's face it, is not known for its atmospheres or its attendances. Yeah. It does need that little bit of a kick up the backside, so to speak. And I think that if we can get more scenes like that, it can bring more, you know, more joy to the quote unquote Farmers League, even though they got much further in in europe than we did them and psg and leon <laughs> but yeah it's it's funny from an outside perspective in a sense but again some things there that are much more serious that shouldn't be joked yeah. about but yeah no I, i'm sure you didn't mean that at all johnny so that's no not... no no it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Kind of, it's just a brawl it's just like yeah. punching each other and there's players diving that have been touched it was just you look at your phone and suddenly you see five players have been sent off in about a minute it's like it's mental <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was crazy yeah, um, I don't condone any of the behaviour, but it was just quite funny. Just the ref around, you, you off, you off, you off. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you he didn't do anything. You can get booked as well. It's just, it was just brilliant. Almost credit to the referee for not taking any of that stuff as well. Like it's didn't even hesitate. Just four red cards at once. Yeah. I, I, I almost thought the referee was going to pick the ball up and go. Do you know what? I'm, that's forget it. it. I, I forget that. I'm going off. You look carry on. I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> That's certainly, from a neutral perspective, it's very enjoyable. All right, so, Alex, then, first time back in a while. I hope you've got something good prepared for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll try my best, but to be honest, it's a mixture of the two aforementioned things. So, with okay. the, the Mourinho one, it, his press conference after, I don't know if you saw it, but basically he blamed everything but himself, which yeah. is <laughs> yeah. typical fashion, sure. you know. He threw every single player under the bus. He blamed the lack of pre-season as if every other team had a pre-season. He blamed coronavirus on his players because they went to certain countries and came back with it. You know, he blamed the international break as you normally do. It's it's just everything is a problem but him. And it's and like... The and the free kick. Blame the free kick as well. Yeah, blame the free kick. What, from being in the wrong place with it. So, yeah, you know, Mourinho is a a story that will continue to happen, but it's just laughable each time because, you know, I've sat through two stints of it at Chelsea now, and it's like, right, it's it's funny to begin with, but now it's borderline boring and annoying. Mm. But, yeah, it's, you know, it's everybody else's problem but his. And it's like, well, you're the one at the end of the day that's going to get fired. Like, you know, sort it out. But then, yeah, the, the Marseille and PSG stuff, I saw something today where I don't mean to joke about it in a way because it's pre- it's obvious that it's there, but the chief of like the French Football League has turned around and said there is no racism in French football. Yeah. And he used the quote to say, oh, when a goal is scored, black people jump up and celebrate. It's like, what does that mean? Like, it's just ridiculous. Like... As I say, that's not a laughing point, but it's just one of those where 
how people are still sort of not getting the idea is, you know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I can agree more. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to put down on things, but I've seen leads today of captain Kiko Kassir in their cup game. And it's, you know, he, did he not get found guilty? Yeah, no, I don't actually know. I haven't been following that story, but you'd like to hope so, but probably not. Otherwise, it would have been a lot more widely profiled. Did he get an eight-game ban, that Casilla? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's it's not that we're laughing about it, but it just seems like the whole of football is just taking it as a joke. Yeah, I know what you mean, actually, Alex, because it's, it's kind of like, it's not just racism. It's kind of still with um, like Harry Maguire at Man United. Like, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has come out and said he's, he's my main captain. It's like, well, hold on, he's been found, he's been found guilty. I mean, what kind, of mess, what kind of message is that to, to kids? Do you know what I mean? I just, I just find it very... It's, like, it's a bit... They're in their little bubble, aren't they? Football, I think, sometimes. It's like, you know, you, you are role models as much as, you know, you don't want to be. But, you know, you've got, you've got to take things seriously. Yeah, I know, 100%. And obviously none of us, again, for the second time, none of us none of us condone that whatsoever. And you do wish that, as funny as it can be, these there are serious issues within that, and they do need to be taken more seriously. And to say, I never understand people that say there's no racism in da-da-da. It's much obvious to just admit that it is, there is, and that you don't tolerate it, and you're going to do something about it. That's what you need to be saying, because mm-hmm. you're essentially ignoring the problem then. But it's it's just people people are proud and they don't want to they don't want to admit that there's something so there's something is so horribly wrong with what they have a hand in. I remember the same the same comments from the Bulgaria manager after the England game a couple yeah. of years ago. He said the same thing and it's like, are you out of your mind? Do you have ears? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a massive international football fan generally, and not England again more generally. But even so, I remember that and I was like, is he is he mad? Like, is he absolutely insane? You know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. But again, that comes down to pride, doesn't it? He's obviously that pride of Bulgarian football that he can't admit to something. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, on a lighter note, <laughs> to cheer things up just a little bit, my nomination, I've gone for a very different flavour uh, to what's been mentioned so far. Um, I've gone from the sunny side of Marseille to the beautiful coast of Southend-on-Sea. Southend United are my nomination. Oh, yeah. Um, First game of the season, back in League Two after being relegated. If not for Bolton's points deduction, they would have finished bottom of League Two last season, even with the points per game. They, they, their first game back, it was against newly promoted Harrogate Town. First ever game in the Football League in their history. Uh, not only do they lose 4-0, but I don't know if you've seen the defending for, I think it was the third or fourth goal. Literally, the goalkeeper passes it straight to the centre-back. He just sort of, the, the striker presses him. He just sort of fumbles it around, just sort of gives up halfway through. It's like, yeah, just take it, just have it back. And then he gets it and just slots it away, top corner. Like, it's, it's honestly disgraceful in terms of your professional footballer. Oh, probably not being paid that much playing at South End. But, you know, it's your job and you just, you've, you just couldn't care less. You've just given up. And it is so comical, but it's also so... So outrageous if you're a South End fan in particular. And I think honestly, South End could be one of we talked about financial situations. Yeah. I don't know if it's more of a management problem that they've had rather than financial, but I think they could definitely be one of those clubs heading that way if they're not careful. So Well well Saul Campbell's managed both, hasn't he? Matthew yeah. He just takes really difficult jobs and tries just, to sort or, it out. Or, or just leaves a trail of destruction. Well, yeah, perhaps. But um I see in the South End result, I didn't see the highlights and what have you, but I imagine that team's made up of kids, I guess, because mm, of the financial okay. problems. No, yeah, no, I mean, but it was more cases, okay, so not necessarily just kids making mistakes, it was just sort of like there wasn't any effort there. Like, you, like if I, there were twi- clips going around Twitter, and the one where it just sort of looks like he just, it doesn't like just make a bad touch and suddenly he's lost the ball. He just sort of stops like halfway through, oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden, like, yeah, so. I saw it. It was like as if the ball, because the ball hadn't left the area, or the player hadn't left the area, as if they to say they can't touch the ball. But the player never had the opportunity to leave the area to then. Yeah. So it was like I said, it was just comical. It was ridiculous. It's something you would see on a, a a Sunday league. Well, you might not even see it on a Sunday league game, but like a school match where you just don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> I was. Yeah. It was dreadful. Yeah, really, really ridiculous. So, out of those four, uh, technically three, I suppose, um, which one do you guys fancy the most? Um, <laughs> it's got to be Spurs, isn't it? It's all off at Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with Spurs, mainly because of the, the other issues surrounding the others. And I've got no agenda against Spurs, as you can imagine. I did for about a week last June when we played them <laughs> in Champions League. But other than that, I'm not bothered about them. 
But yeah, God, I don't like Mourinho as we know. And they were appalling. And they're also part of the Everton thing because Everton were going on about how great they were and they were okay. But for me, it was how bad Spurs were, more importantly. All right then. Well, Spurs and Jose Mourinho, you are our let's all laugh at for this week. Hopefully they can pull themselves, well, for their sake at least, they can pull themselves more towards the top four so they can avoid that on this show. But I'm sure the sentiment isn't shared by at least half our panel here. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, to be fair, I, ha- I do have Spurs family. My mum's side are actually Spurs fans. So I, I mean, I, I can't say I wish any will on them, but I'm also not going to object too much with it on this podcast because <laughs> I know I don't want to get on anyone's bad side. <laughs> <laughs> Spursy area, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's about all we've got time for. So thanks for listening to this episode. Be sure to drop us a like and a follow, whatever platform you're on. You can find us on YouTube and Spotify at Let's All Laugh at a Football Podcast, as well as Twitter at LALA underscore podcast. Be sure to check out Dan's work on Last Word on Sports, Extra Time Talk, and Read Liverpool. Be sure to check out Life's a Pitch. Check out all of our social media. Links in the description, as always. Thanks to Dan, Johnny, and Alex for joining me. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Take care.